Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, y'all. Ryan Sprague here. As you all know, the Somewhere in the Skies podcast is always free to consume, but it isn't free to create. That's why I've started the Somewhere in the Skies Patreon campaign. On a monthly basis, you give what you think the show is worth. You'll be helping the show continue, grow, and to be something truly communal. And remember, there are rewards for each level of contribution, and the list is only growing. So please, help Somewhere in the Skies now by becoming a patron. To contribute and to learn more, visit www.patreon.com backslash somewhere skies. Thank you for your support. And now, on with the show. This is Somewhere in the Skies with Ryan Spread. Scathing indictment. Scathing. Okay. Behind the scenes, what, what we really think of you. Yeah, so for anyone listening, I'm going to push record. Um, <laughs> it's official. I, I want to try to make this all professional, but I can't because it's Shannon. For anyone listening, we've been speaking for about half an hour, and um, that half an hour will probably never see the light of day. But maybe Let's to our uh, our Patreon subscribers and the insiders, we'll, we'll see what happens. But yeah. um, for those who um, have been following my journey on the first, what was it, like 50 episodes maybe of Into the Fray, or you've been following her work since the beginning, you know who this person is, Shannon Legros, host of Into the Fray Radio, and she has stepped further down the rabbit hole and into a new book project called Beyond the Fray, which we will be discussing today among many other interesting topics. So Shannon, thank you so much for coming on Somewhere in the Skies again. Sir, thank you so much. I appreciate that very much. Thanks for inviting me on. My pleasure. I've got a nice little bourbon here to cheers to you on your first book. Thank you very much. How does it yeah, feel? I've, you know, like I said before, uh, we hit the, uh, the old record button here. I always kind of almost bragged about how I'd never have a book out. <laughs> uh, and here we are. We've It's seen the light of day. Uh, no, it's a, it's a wonderful feeling. And I have a wonderful partner in the whole thing, uh, G. Michael Hoff. Uh, first name Jeff. He's he's been wonderful through this whole thing, and he is uh, he's the one that you know he really initiated uh, the contact between the two of us, 
and and look where it's led us. So, uh, no, thank you. Thank you, Ryan. Of course, yeah. That led you to be on the fray Bigfoot, which we're going to get into in a little bit. But um, I want to talk first. The last time we spoke was right before Storm Area 51. That shit came and went. Oh, so I boy. would love to hear your thoughts on how it went. Um, I know you live out in the Nevada area where this all took place. Um, so were you able to make it out there? Or have you heard any rumblings about how it all went down? Like, what was what was going on out there, Shane? The only regret I have is the fact that George Knapp himself actually went out to the the Storm Area Fifty One. Of course he did. And he he you know he was doing his reporting as well he should. Yeah. He's definitely on the pulse of all of this stuff, and that's my only regret. Other than that, you know, it was quite the dud. I mean, what was the number? Uh, the initial number of people saying, "I'm going, I'm going to Storm Area Fifty One." What was like that number? Three million or something. Yeah. Like that. yeah. It was like. 80 kids in pretty much uh, EDC outfits and like <laughs> like EDC is Electric Daisy Carnival, which I will never be caught dead at one of those, by the way. God bless you all. But no, you know, the tutus and the socks up to the thing like you're going to CrossFit, but you're definitely not going to work out. Um, <laughs> it's no. Uh, but yeah, Storm Area 51 didn't quite turn out the way they hoped. Thankfully, no one even went up and touched the gate, as far as I know, which is, you I, know, I is heard, a federal offense. Right. Or is that not what happened? No, you you are you're correct. That one person was arrested. Um, oh, I heard. Wait, what did he do? Or she did? It was a she, and she was 87 years old. What? She pissed on the gate. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I heard. I, I could be, maybe this is a rumor, but I heard that an eighty-like-seven-year-old woman went up to the gate, peed on it, and they had to they had to restrain her. What's the logistics on that? She actually did she climb on the gate because you I, know the gate's kind of high. It's like chest high. Right, did she sit right. on the uh, on the pillar? I, I do wonder. A, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I'm just I, I'm a logistics <laughs> person, so I'm kind of as you should this. be. She doesn't need a citation for that or to go to Alamo jail. She needs a little mill. You pissed on the gate. I mean, she didn't touch it. If she didn't touch it, well, fine. Right, right. I think she's the hero in all this, not Maddie Roberts. Come on. That is wonderful. <laughs> How did I miss that story? Uh, yeah, I, I might have come across it at 3 a.m. after a couple of many, too many <laughs> drinks. But um, that was about uh, the extent of what I heard went on out there. But, yeah. Um, I, I know... Jeremy Corbell had an event. Maddie Roberts had his own event. There was another one going on in a town over. So, like, even before this thing came to be, like, it was already, like, <laughs> broken to begin with. So, I don't know. You know, maybe it'll become a new thing every year. Um, if that's the case, I know Maddie Roberts, the guy who started the Facebook group, he's now going to make this an annual event. It's going to be, like, a big concert thing, and money's going to go to um, charities. So you know what? If that's what this turns out to be, I'm all for it. I said from the beginning, like, if we could focus our energy on good things instead of, like, you know, making money off of people and selling $15 Bud Lights with an alien on the front, like, at yeah. least get that money to go to something good. So who knows? Who knows what's going to happen next year? But um, Storm Area 51 wasn't so much a storm, I would say. Did uh, there was rumors that they uh, they did have a stage because I saw it behind George. Did people like Paul Oakenfold actually play out there? I think so. I mean, there wow. were some there were some music. Where'd the money come that, from for that to you, pay him? You got me. Who knows? Who knows? Wow. Maybe the government paid for it. 
Maybe. Yeah. Maybe the whole thing was organized by Area 51. Whoa, what about hey. that, guys? Yeah, yeah. It's I don't, of course, I don't know why they would have want to deal with 87-year-olds pissing on their gate, but <laughs> hey, maybe they just didn't see that one coming. I mean, who would? That's amazing. Who would? Yeah, she caught him by surprise, and that's what you got to do out there. You've <laughs> seen everything. Like, uh, you got a copy? Yeah, we got Hilda out here. She is pissing on the gate, lifted again. her tutu. <laughs> again. Hilda, again? Oh. Meanwhile, she lives. She lives out there, you know? Yep. She's like, she's like, I, I, I'm here every day. What's a storm area 51 crap? No, I, I will admit, though, I went out, and it was just my, my local uh, grocery store. Yes, people, we do have grocery stores here in Las Vegas. What? In New York uh, City, too. People don't think we grocery yeah, shop. We do. Do you like, uh, I mean, do you always catch cockroaches the size of cats every single day since oh, you're in New York course. City? Of course. Of yes. course. The you keep it a, is it leash trained? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. You do need a leash. It's a law <laughs> yeah. here in New York. Leash trained roaches. But yeah. No, so, you got grocery stores. Yeah, it's weird, right? You actually like <laughs> eat there and like cook there and like go to school. Cool there. Uh, anyhow, yeah, I did. Anyways. I went to my local grocery store and and bought one of those cases of uh, of the cans oh. of, with the aliens on it. So I proudly kept a few of those That's in the awesome. box, of course. Uh, just had to because I, I was like, well, they never make these again. I should probably do this. And it's funny because I posted a picture and people were like, I will give you $100 right now. For oh, that yeah. <laughs> Like that stuff's gonna be a color. It's gonna be like those people who sell surge soda cans online now for like you know two grand or something. Well, if I really get hard up, I know what I'm selling first. I gotta yep. tell you, <laughs> um, a lot has happened since our last conversation. You went on the road to hunt UFOs. You wrote and published a book, and you're taking the book to many different levels. We're gonna cover all of that, but um, I'd love to start a little with. The book itself, Beyond the Fray, Bigfoot. How did this book come about? And and you mentioned the other author and uh, person who got involved. How did this all happen? So, you know, the nice thing about having a podcast is the content is already there. It's it's in a very different form, obviously, uh, but people trust you enough to come on and they tell sometimes a story that they've they've not even maybe even told their spouse uh, or their parents, you know, if they were little or if they told their parents their parents kind of brush them off, which we've all had that experience, right? As far as our own paranormal uh, stories. And it's always kind of been there. I, I will admit that I have thought about it before, but as jokingly mentioned, but not really jokingly, it, it just wasn't really in the cards for me to write a book uh, solo. And, and Jeff emailed me and I just, I gravitated towards him right away. He's a wonderful writer. He is a fictional writer. Uh, and that is to say this beyond the fray Bigfoot, nor will the others be fictional works. These are strictly taken right from the uh, witness's mouth and transferred onto paper in a way that is uh, proper for reading form. And, you know, he he just he knows what he's doing. He's a wonderful writer. And between the two of us, we we chose some stories. And obviously we had these people's permission before they got put into the book. <laughs> and. You know, his his fictional background, he was but he was straight out. He's like, hey, you know, I write uh, I write Westerns and I write post apocalyptic fiction. And he is a fantastic writer, you guys. And I was telling Ryan, like, he's just go check him out on Amazon. G. Michael Hoff, H.O.P.F. And that is, you know, you can find him online 
as well, uh, gmichaelhoff.com. But he's he's a best-selling author. And yeah, he's prolific. I mean, when he, I looked him up, I was like, whoa, yes. where's this guy been my whole life? Yeah. And, you know, his books are he goes down, which is it's got to be so much harder to do. But he has a you know a series of books that will follow this line and this storyline with these characters. And, you know, all about talk about character development is taking a character from a, a book one to book three or four. I mean, that's just uh, y- you have to have a talent. So anyhow, I teamed up with him. And we chose these stories. Now, it's not all 100% Bigfoot. We did put in a few Dogman stories. So, it, you know, the, the title may be slightly misleading, but it is mostly a Bigfoot book, all taken from my show. But the caveat to that is there are several in there that were never aired on my show because they were not comfortable enough to even do that. But, you know, they they got in touch, and it is in the book. And... These stories, I will say, are some of my favorites, and and it's probably really going to sound hokey to say this because it's it's my book. Um, but even even though I've heard these stories firsthand, they're I mean they're basically I mean not my stories, but you know what I'm saying they're from my show. I have heard them, as you know. You, you record, you edit, you've heard them again through whatever means, you know, it happened mm-hmm. to come up. I will say that even reading them, it got me again. It kind of got me for some of these, especially some of the ones that are, are more the nail biters. And they're all kind of on the edge of that. It'll get you. And yeah. some of the reviews so far are fantastic, guys. And Thank you so much for that. And and Ryan knows, and we, we harp this to death, even for just our podcast. But my goodness, if you guys have you know read either one of our books, you guys have no idea how much the reviews on Amazon help us out. So if you could oh, just yeah. take those few moments and leave that review. But, you know, saying, oh, I had to keep the lights on. I read, you know, the book, Shannon and Jeff's book, and I had to keep the lights on really freaked me out. And Or I was sitting in a parking lot and I was locking my doors. I'm like, this is fantastic that is what we were going for and so far it's worked really well you're so right shannon the stories they never leave you and no matter how many times you hear them that's the same with my witness account episodes that i do of my show where you know people call in and tell their stories and when you're editing that's like one thing you're trying to make it sound rhythmic or you know clean it up or do this but when you really sit down and listen to the stories from the voice of the people experiencing it it brings it to a whole other level like nothing you could write or i could write would ever convey what they truly want to say so the fact that a lot of these stories in your book come directly from the witnesses uh that's rare and that's something you don't get that often so i was so happy to see that's the way the book was structured and there um there were a few that really stuck out to me and the first one that really got to me was um a story titled the cries of a baby oh one of my favorites maybe running us through this one a little bit yeah okay okay. i will happily run through this one um now this one this is one of the stories that never aired on my show. Uh, I I do believe that Derek has probably told it on other shows, but it, it was not verbally told on Into the Fray. So, <laughs> yeah, this is, yeah. Um, if you guys are considering going out solo to Bigfoot, you might change your mind. Uh, so Derek Randall's is, and I've met him in person, fantastic human being. 
uh, all of the Olympic project crew, Shane Corson, uh, David Ellis, he is the he's the audio guy that you guys hear a lot of times that will play these clips that he has cleaned up and nobody does a better job than David Ellis at that. But that is the Olympic project in Washington state. So uh, Derek Randall's. And so this is basically um, after he's he's really uh, caught the bug. He caught the bug in, in 85 and that was a uh, a sighting that he had. But what's funny is that's not what this story is. And somehow it will still creep you out. Um, so this this encounter occurs in in the late 90s. And he admits that, hey, I've got the Bigfoot bug. I'm going to talk to whoever I can. I want to talk to the big guys. And he finds one of the biggest and brightest stars in Bigfootery. And that is the renowned uh, Grover Krantz. And Derek, Derek goes... I like to say that he invited me over, but I'm pretty sure that I kind of invited myself over to Grover's <laughs> house, which who wouldn't, right? So he goes over and he, you know, they're just, they're just bullshitting about Bigfoot and the ins and outs of it. And he's just like, so, I mean, you know, where would you go, Grover, for the best place to see a, a Big Fitz? And, and he goes, McCall, Idaho. And he's like, wait, McCall, what? Idaho for a Big Fitz? What? So... He's so intrigued by this. He's like, okay, I'll bite. So McCall, Idaho. Great. So what about, you know, calling one in? Like what what tactic would you use to, quote unquote, call in a Bigfoot? And Grover replies, I would play the recording of a baby crying. And Drew's like, oh, okay, cool, awesome. And lo and behold, guess what? They have a new baby at home. So he goes home and he proceeds to record his son crying for any amount of time, whatever it was, because then um, and this is probably back in the day of um, uh, a cassette. Right. Like a lot of mm-hmm. you guys out there may not know for what that is. But yeah. <laughs> you youngins. I still have my vanilla ice cassette downstairs. You can hate on me all you want. You know, <laughs> ride that train. Uh, ice, ice, baby. Yeah, uh, I don't go play ninja, it. I have no way to play go, it. Go ninja, oh. go ninja, go. Yeah, you, there's just nothing like cassette tape. I have no way to play it, but I'll never get rid of it. Anyhow, <laughs> Sorry. he recorded. <laughs> Sorry, no, my fault. No reason to bring up Vanilla Ice, but I did. There you go. <laughs> uh, this is what happens. Uh, this is exactly what would happen on our intros for Into the Fray. Yep, it was bound <laughs> to make it into an episode. Yeah. yeah. So he records his son crying. And he does, in fact, go out to Idaho. He goes to, uh, I believe it was Burnt Fork in the Blue Mountains. And, okay, now, let me set the tone for Derek. Derek is a complete badass, and he still is to this day. He's 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 built very well. He's very fit. He goes out hiking. I'm talking for hours and hours by himself still to this day. And he did on this day. And he goes out for six hours by himself. And he hikes for six hours in one direction. And it's starting to get late, so he finds a large tree with a pretty good vantage point. And he's basically, um, he's looking out over, um, um, not a ravine per se, but, you know, an open area. And then it dips into, like, a creek area. And he does, in fact, have, um, uh, 
like a night shot camera. It's got like a Gen 3 night vision monocular, which are they're so bad at the bone. If you can ever play with a monocular, guys, amazing. If Just a little side note here. When you're out, quote unquote, bigfooting, raccoons and deer and even, you know, if there happens to be a bird up that late for some reason or a squirrel, they sound like a damn eight foot tall, whatever the hell, when they're going through the underbrush, if it's dry. So if you have something like a monocular, it's, it's very advantageous for you because you, you immediately go, well, that's just a little fat little raccoon over there. You know, you imagine if like something heavier. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And and not to say that people can't differentiate if an, you know, a 10 foot tall creature is thumping through the woods. I'm just saying that little things can sound very, very big sometimes. So that's a great way to do that. If you can afford one, it's definitely the way to go. That being said, I I don't have one, but of course I'm back in Nevada. So uh, there you go. Not really much of a reason right now. Uh, So anyhow, it finally gets dark out. And he, I think he actually says it's pitch black out. He hits play on this looped recording of his son crying and he does in fact admit after about an hour he gets a headache uh big shocker there right and more time passes and he's actually considering shutting off because there's absolutely nothing happening and it's funny because there's always the timing of things and as he's thinking about shutting it off he hears a very loud crash from the opposite side of where he's sitting and the smart thing about Derek, he goes out by himself, which a lot of people are like, well, that's not smart. Okay, but if you met Derek, you'd, you'd probably understand a little better why he's okay doing that. Um, but he also does go out armed because, let's face it, it's probably not for the Bigfootsies. It's for the the cougars or the psychotic people that you may run into. Uh, Micah Hanks has a great story about running into a, a real freak in the woods, a human being, which will always stick with me, the man in the overalls. Um <laughs> But he does, in fact, take his pistol out, you know, just in case. And five minutes later, this this thing is still, like, crashing around, just making a ruckus. And he can tell it's really, really big. And the unfortunate thing is it's making its way towards him. And the baby cries are still going. He hasn't stopped uh, those going quite yet. And he's starting to wonder if it's such a good idea to be doing this. This is when it dawns on him. He's totally alone. Yes, he has a firearm. But how many times have we heard people go, once I saw it, the firearm I was holding would have done nothing but piss it off. Yeah. I I don't know the exact gauge of what he was carrying, but I can almost guarantee you he'd probably say the same thing. So he actually has the foresight to ready the camera because it does have a record feature on it with the pistol in the other hand. And the crashing's getting louder and louder, and he's getting more and more scared and realizing it's a bad idea, especially when he can hear that it is on two feet. Mm-hmm. And he, he knows for sure this is not an ungulate or anything on, on four feet. It is on two. And I think at this point he's describing it as it's like a linebacker running through the woods. Um, which would be horrifying if you're out in the dark and you're by yourself. Mm -hmm. So he loses his nerve. He shuts the recorder completely off, and the crashing stops absolutely interesting. And if you wanted, I could go into a story after this that coincides with this very thing. But 
Yeah, the crashing stops, which I have, um, I have a story of myself, but he, the crashing stops instantly the second he starts the recorder off. And now it really, really gets scary for Derek because all he hears is extremely deep, heavy, raspy breathing. And he estimates, this is bad, he estimates it was probably only about 60 feet from him and whatever this was. Now, keep in mind, he cannot see it. It hasn't actually come through that last part of the wood line across from uh, this ravine that he's in. Mm -hmm. Or on top of, I apologize. So, he's listening to this breathing. And, you know, having this part come from Derek, it was kind of sad and it, it bummed me out. But at the same time, I completely got it. But he said the second that he heard the breathing and he realized what situation he was in, he was completely done with research at that point. Mm. He was like, I'm out. I'm done. This is bullshit. It's too much. I mean, it's one of those be careful what you ask for things, right? Right. right. So three or four minutes, I think, or maybe up to five minutes, this breathing's going on, which is a really, really, really long time. Oh, yeah. I can, you know that. like hours for him, yeah, too. Yeah, we both had sightings that lasted five to whatever seconds. Yep. That seemed long enough. Yeah. Three or four minutes is a damn eternity. And now the breathing completely just stops, okay, and it's silent. And he admits, like, this is almost worse because where the hell is it? Where to go? Because now yeah. there's no clue and how it gets that quiet he doesn't even know so he waits for a while and a while turns into morning and he admits he wakes up and the birds are chirping the sun is shining and he didn't have any of the feelings and the anxiety that he had the night before like he felt like he was safe and it was it was probably gone and he did go over to where his best estimate of which it wasn't that far so it was pretty good estimation of where this thing would have been standing. And sure enough, there are two extremely large impressions and a large game trail uh, through the brush oh, leading wow. to that spot. So, you know, to him, he's going, okay, so yeah, that totally happened. And what I thought it was is probably exactly what that was. So he, and now keep in mind, he's still six to eight hours from where he's supposed to be to his truck to get out of there. But he makes it out. He says no other encounters, no other sign, nothing happened, no creepy feelings. But I think, and this is so cool that Derek said this, because I've heard him tell this story in person, of course. He goes, it was just so disrespectful what I did. I played uh, the sound of a baby crying, and obviously it upset this thing so much that it comes it comes rushing down. Right. Now, Goodness knows what was going through this thing's mind. We don't want to put any, you know, human emotions or, or anything on a Bigfoot. We don't know for sure. But it is suspect that you stop the crying. It stops. And now he's, you know, it was that raspy, heavy breathing because he knows how stressed out he made it. So for him now, thankfully, obviously, Derek didn't stop researching. Obviously, he's still doing it to this day. And had other other encounters, but for him to go, that was so messed up. What I did to that Bigfoot that day, you know, and it makes you wonder. Go as far as the impressions go, mm -hmm. from what I've heard him like in person tell me, it sounded like it was a male, but you would think you would think it was a female carrying 
why is a baby crying? But it, it could have been it, almost it, like it was concerned for the child. Like oh, absolutely. Nurturing sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. He's like, what? What? If I wouldn't have shut that off and it came through yeah. and saw me, what would have happened? Oh, my God. I mean, would I even be here? Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's one of the on the no list. I have my no list. And I'm like, that's no. I mean, but that's the power of it because he didn't see anything. Right. Which and is it, almost scarier. Absolutely. Well, yeah. You know. And there's the other thing too, right? Because you're thinking of, uh, and we've heard reports, which sounds astonishing. And I, people say this, but take a tape measure guys and go in. I've done it before. Early on my days of Sasquatch Chronicles, we had someone come on and go, excuse me, yeah, I saw a, a 10 foot tall, you know, like 10 feet. Well, that's tall. No, no, no. Get a tape measure. Take it from the floor up to 10 feet. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Talk about shitting your pants. I mean, if any of them do get that big, which why couldn't they if they get 8 feet tall? I mean, because oh, look at human beings. Really? Again, not to put anamorphic qualities on the Bigfoot, but there's that you know we've got the very very tall human beings if you ever saw something that big that's why it's it's so important that these people actually agree to come forward you know they talk to you they talk to me they talk to jim or micah or whoever it is it changed their lives Absolutely. you know these it changed everything and some of these people have never gone in the woods again you know there there's a, another great story from the book where he saw the Bigfoot holding something mm -hmm. and what the Bigfoot was holding was enough for him to go, Oh hell no. They have, you know, there are other things going on out there and yeah, they have to eat. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. what, what do you, what can you say to that? So anyway, that, that is Derek's story. And if that doesn't, <laughs> allay any fears as to um gee i mean should i go out you know eight eight that, uh, hours yeah that would be enough for me to not want to do it again you know you said um you have a story too that's kind of connected to this to this are you willing to share that absolutely okay. uh and i'm sure that some of the uh the phrases which you know, I think you coined that term, didn't you? TM, right? baby. That's all yeah. I'm getting that coin that's, every time someone says it. That's Rylos, guys. <laughs> okay. Crazy is Rylos. That's like that dude who tried to copyright secret space program. Come on, dude. Well, I never heard about that. It, it is an actual thing. A guy tried to coin oh. or copyright the term secret space program. Anyways, we don't want to give him any airtime. So no, that's just painful, silly, dumb. Is, yeah. So All back right, so, to um yeah so the recording of oh the baby. yeah the recording yeah so uh, Washington State oh my god I'm so bad with years 2014 I believe we went to the Brown property in Washington State I was still on Sasquatch Chronicles and you know Sarah and John Brown they with uh, members of actually the Olympic project captured the quote unquote linebacker on the Ridge thermal. That is the one that looks like if you take Jay Cutler and you shaved his head and you just took him from like the, pardon me, but the nipples up. Okay. So his, his pecs and his massive traps and his shoulders and his head on a thermal, that's what it looked like. Anyhow, 
we can put that in the show notes for you folks. Go to somewhereintheskies.com. <laughs> Be on the lookout for that. Sorry, inside joke. Um, so we're out of the Brown property and we're, I don't, it must have probably been John or Sarah in relation to Derek's story, to be honest with you. So that's why it ties in so well. Mm -hmm. But we're like, okay, well, because now you don't have to tape your son. Now you just get on YouTube and you play a baby cry. And we did that. So we're playing the baby crying and it had been a while. And Derek's right. It sucks to listen to something like that. And it wasn't like we had it on big speakers or anything. And sorry, backstory, Brown Property, very active. Sarah and her husband had had numerous sightings of Sasquatch in and around this area. Their property looked out on a, you know, a valley. Yes, there are other people around, but not eight foot tall, you know, 800 pound ones. So they believe they're experiencing Sasquatch. So we go out there and we're playing the baby cry. And I'd have to go back to my notes because I hate misspeaking about times and stuff because I understand that people are very, uh, they'll get you on that. And they should. It could have been playing anywhere from 30 to 45 minutes, guys. I don't know. I'd have to go back to my notes. But this just came in too perfectly to to tie it in Derek's story. Mm -hmm. And I haven't told in a while. We're playing the baby cry. And sure as shit, we get whoop, whoop, whoop. Oh. <laughs> Three in a row. And whoops are something you got to have some lips to do. So whoop, whoop, whoop. Three in a row, always. And it would wait a couple few minutes and do it again. I'm like, oh shit, is this really going down? And it was. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Just like that. And at one point it stopped and then it moved from, I would say, our two o'clock position back to probably, I don't know, um, maybe a, a five o'clock position. Mm-hmm. So it, we felt like it was it was flanking. Something's going on here. Again, like Derek says, might be stressing it out. Whoop, whoop, whoop. And it sounded even Wes agreed. It sounded very, very sing song, uh, which was interesting. So. Again, not trying to assume it was a female Sasquatch or anything that would care about a baby cry, but it sounded sing-song. And I, I'm not even going to – I don't sing. I'm not a singer, so I'm not going to try to oh, – come on. Perfectly. <laughs> but, yeah, it was – it so it was the three whoops, but it was very sing-song, almost, you know, pretty. Like, you know, yeah. like a lady, like some kind of a lady Sasquatl might do. Hmm. And – so that's interesting and of note. Of course, we cannot see it, so I cannot say it was a Sasquatch for sure. I will never, ever say that because I didn't see it. Mm-hmm. But it's playing, it's playing, it's whooping, it's whooping. And finally, the phone dies. Uh, it had been playing for, I don't know, an hour, maybe less total. And the phone dies. And the second the phone dies... The whoops completely stop. We don't hear crashing. We don't hear footsteps. We hear no more whoops. Nothing. And as far as we could tell, it was only the one, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's just my quick tie into that. But I, that's my firsthand experience with playing a baby cry, a very annoying sound. And quote unquote calling something in. Yeah, there's uh, got to be it, something to it. 
it sounded big. Uh, that's I mean, and I've said that before about the whistle in Salt Fork. Mm-hmm. I, it's hard to explain, and even if you had it on a recording, it wouldn't come across this way ever. So Never. you yeah. guys that are like, well, "Where's the recording?" Well, even if I had it, even if Wes and I had that, it wouldn't it, it wouldn't come across. I'm sorry, it wouldn't even translate. And it was raining. It was Washington State, so yeah, it it's was the raining. Same with... We didn't have a lot that a lot right. of that stuff out. Right. And it's the same with, you know, videos. People always say that, you know, it was, it was cylindrical. It was, you know, self-illuminating. It, I could see, like, you know, machinery on the craft. And then you look at the video and it's just a, a white dot in the sky. It's like, that's why video evidence and audio, like, it's good when you have it, but you can't base everything off of that. The witness testimony, you know, when you then put that with the video and audio, that's when you get, like, the full story, you know? Man, there's nothing more annoying than night video of UFO. I know. (laughs) I'm sorry, but it, it could literally be... Anything. I mean, did you see that recent video from here? Uh, me, and, me and Sam were going back and forth about it. It was very bright, and it looks like it's pulsating. But the problem is, in the very beginning of the video, when you look at the ground, even the street lights and all the, the house lights and everything of Vegas is strobing and, and flashing exactly the same. Because it's just the frame rate and the way that his phone or whatever he was shooting it on picked it up. Yeah. And... Look at BC 135s and uh, Las Vegas Metro just got, I mean, we're talking like an $8 million aircraft, EC1, it's not a 135, it's another uh, tail number for that, but they have two lights on their tails, one right over the rear rotor blade and one on the actual, uh, the tail that runs from the body to the rotor. And it's a helicopter, guys, like, I mean... (laughs) We got to have some critical thinking here. Like it's, you know, it's a cool video and everything, but I mean, yeah. geez, it's never gonna. It's always gonna pale in comparison to the actual testimony of the witness, in my opinion. So, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, you know a absolutely. lot, Shen. You know a lot about aircraft. What the hell? Where where you been hiding this all this time? <laughs> You're talking rotors and lights and all this shit, and I'm over here like, duh, uh, planes got no. wings. No, I just, you know, it's it's just it is just frustrating because. Especially a video like that, I'll have yeah. to send it to you so you can you can see it. It's just it wasn't like a tic tac video where it's doing insane maneuvers, right. you know, ninety degrees and makes a stop and then does a loop the loop like I'm I, uh, I'm so not, cynical when it comes to videos now. And I shouldn't uh, like I need to be no, open minded and patient, but anytime a witness sends me a video, like I automatically say, It's a drone. It's a plane. Right. <laughs> it's a drone. It's a plane. Plane. Drone. That's a drone. That's a drone. That's a drone. That's a drone. Oh, look, a drone. And I shouldn't do that. Drone. Amazon drone. You know what? I wasn't there, and I always tell people this, and that's why I never judge a witness, is I wasn't there when this event happened. So I got to get better at that. I, I'm airing my grievances live here on Somewhere in the Skies. If I've ever, like, discounted a video you've sent me outright, I apologize. I'm just – when you see a million of these videos a day and most yeah. of them are hoaxed or clearly misidentified, like, it's hard. It's hard to um, to stay passionate about it sometimes. But then you get that one piece of evidence or that one case where it's yeah. like, I'm back in it, baby. Let's do this. Ah, the fire is lit again. <laughs> and sometimes that's all it takes. It, it is. 
I'm you are so right. Like every time I think I've heard everything, someone hits you, you know, hits you in the head with something. And- One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Incredible. We're going to move on to another story in yeah. the book that I would love to cover. Uh, whoa, wow, that I would love to cover called... Hey, color, color's good, too. Colors are good. Taste the rainbow, baby. Taste. All right. <laughs> um, Scarface. Oh, my God. I assume we aren't talking about the Al Pacino movie here. I'm just going to go out on a limb. Yeah, unfortunately for these two kids, it was not Scarface and Al Pacino. um, Because it would have been better to see even Al Pacino covered in a mountain of cocaine uh, than what they saw that day. Right, yeah. Yeah, This one one happened in my neck of the woods. Holy shit. Okay, so this happened in New York. I got it here. It's like 50 miles north of New York City in in, uh, Bear Mountain. And honestly, this is, again, on the no list, and I kind of hinted it during Derek's story. So we have a young man. He's around 13 years old, and he's in a summer day camp. And that means you go out in the morning, and you go home. You're back home by the evening time. So they would take them to uh, various places in and around New York State every day. And on this particular day, they are going to uh, Bear Mountain State Park, and... It is 50 miles north of New York City itself, so not very far. Uh, keep that in mind as I'm telling the story. Very impressive and terrifying and pretty messed up. So, And also this does sit along the Hudson River, which is also kind of interesting when you're talking about Bigfoot. They need food, cover, uh, and shelter. So Bear Mountain encompasses about, I think, 5,000 uh, acres And, okay, so they've got the chaperones, the adults, right? And then they've got the kids. And I don't have the number of kids that they had, but they all start hiking and they take a break for lunch. And uh, Chris is his name. That is the subject of my interview. He admits we were kind of rebellious teens at the time. And another kid and myself wanted to, we want to go off and have a ciggy. So they want to go off and have a cigarette and they separated. And 
they walked uh, quite a ways away from the group and they they admit they kind of kept hearing something but hey they're in new york in the woods it could be literally anything as i mentioned mm-hmm. before a raccoon a squirrel a deer even something small sounds quite large uh, in in dry uh, undergrowth so it's kind of above them but they didn't think much of it they they keep going uh until they they find a good spot away from the groups they won't smell the smoke for the chaperones they light their cigarettes and chris says that he and again now this one is on my show so if you want to hear it uh it is available for you he turns and he looks at his friend and he sees an utter just mask of nothing but terror on his friend's face and this part is just his friend just decides to just up and run which hey i cannot blame this kid yeah. made a really good decision as you will soon find out uh the kid turns and runs and he goes oh well crap i mean what what is this shit uh so he turns he goes well maybe it's a bear or something he turns and not 10 feet away 10 feet guys 10 feet nope (laughs) he saw what he described was a huge gray-haired man and you know this is his like um his brain going you know man uh monster it it looks like a man but no that's a that's a messed up monster so he says it's the tallest bipedal creature he's ever ever seen and it stood now here we go it stood nine to ten feet tall so again i it is really actually pretty cool to do i encourage everybody to do it just really quickly tape measure florida to 10 feet tall and then you're gonna go holy shit all right this is the part where uh, it, it gets kind of almost it'll it'll bring up some a vitriol in people because they go well they're they're not like that they wouldn't do that but you have to remember that they're not like us and they have to eat and they do things that maybe you wouldn't maybe think that they should do or that you'd want them to do right so keep that in mind as i go into the next part chris says in its right hand it held half of a dog by its neck the other half is gone and just the entrails are hanging out I said, what kind of dog was it? He said it was like a lab type of dog. Um, it had been dead for a little while because some of the, the blood was uh, dry on it. The other side to this, the very disturbing side, is in his left hand, it held either a blanket or a garment of clothing. Uh. He could not tell which one it was. Very, very disturbing. Take that as you will. Nobody knows. We still don't know to this day. He does stand in front of it. He's in shock. He stands for a moment longer and gets a little bit more of a view of this thing. Broad, very muscular chest, five feet across. Again, take that tape measure. Very shocking. Mm-hmm. Five feet across. I stand five six. So, holy shit. <laughs> five feet across the chest, uh, sparsely covered in hair. Uh, where it did have hair, it was gray, and where the hair didn't cover, the skin was um, more a brown color. Uh, had very long, very thick arms, like tree trunks. He said, and he he did feel like he needed to 
like just glance at the face and keep in mind he's 13 years old so he's probably not as tall as he would be as an adult so he was standing probably chest level and so he had to make the effort to look up at his face and he said when he did uh for the brief second that's all that you need we all know that 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 have had any experiences like this a brief second is all you need for your brain to just just soak in that information so he said it did remind him more of a gorilla or an ape not of the human type that we hear about uh large round and and brown the face with very little hair on it uh flat nose and teeth very much not like ours um large black eyes shaped like a human and here's where the name comes from for the chapter is it had two scars one across its forehead and one uh, across its cheek which i think that the one across its cheek was quite a bit deeper if i remember correctly and its gray hair was actually matted in some places like it was kind of dirty like it hadn't hopped in the hudson river like it should (laughs) have uh it had some things stuck to it um which to me and you know this ryan when you're talking to somebody you get a sense of if they're lying or not you just do even though you're not in person you you get more adept at this thing Mm -hmm. and you know for people to come up with with details like well it had sticks and mud or shit or whatever stuck to its hair why come up with details like that and be able to tell it over and over again i don't know it's not impossible i'm just saying those are things that stick out to me and when you hear somebody with their inflection in their voice telling a story like this, you're like, holy shit, this guy really saw this. That's nope. Mm-hmm. So that's that's something he's standing in front of. And he goes, okay, well, my friend had it right in the onset. I'm going to get the hell out of here. So he takes off. And unfortunately for Chris, he's the last one out and doesn't know if it's following him. So he's running as fast as he can and he does get back to camp with all the kids and the counselors and he sees the other kid, which I, I never got his name. He sees him sitting there and the counselor is like talking to him and he can tell the kid is very upset and he doesn't know what the kid's saying, but uh, the kid would not make any eye contact with him. Uh, and they get in the bus to go home and he's like, dude. Like, what did we just see? And this kid refuses to talk to Chris about what just happened. And, you know, something that I remember asking him was, well, have you talked to him in these years past? He's like, he still refuses to talk about this incident. He's still in contact with him, but they do not talk about this day. And he admits that those 10 seconds changed his life. He still has nightmares. And... It took him a really, really long time to go back in the woods. And and just to tease, he did go back in the woods again and have another very interesting experience, which is in the book. But, you know, the big question, of course, of this story is the dog thing can shock some people. But to me, that's not that shocking it's because understandable. I, I, yeah, yeah, like I feel like they're opportunists just as anything would be in the woods because it's a hard life. You're always fighting for food and shelter and water. And, you know, you're running if you're running from people. That's a whole nother side of the story for these things, I'm sure. So if it comes across a dog, I I mean, I feel horrible for the dog. Of course, I love dogs. But, you know, that's one side. The other side literally is what it was holding in its left hand. And that is the garment. Was it the dog's blanket? Was it a person's clothing? You know? 
was it a, a human's blanket, not the dog's blanket, out of a tent or something? I mean, you're in upstate New York where – or is it up? No, that's not – well, would that be considered upstate? See, yeah, I'm, absolutely. I'm speaking. Anything um, north of New York City is definitely like oh, upstate, yeah. Okay, cool. Thank goodness. Uh, <laughs> sometimes we're just like plowing through and I'm like, <laughs> upstate New York. People are like, that is not upstate, woman. Um <laughs> So you have a lot of campers, right? A lot of hikers, a lot of outdoors people. I mean, God knows what this thing came across. And I don't know. I mean, we don't know what goes on out there in the woods. Do you guys really know that a Bigfoot would never eat a person? Do you know that? I mean, people, they, they're like aghast when I, you know, if anything ever comes up like that, it's, oh God, no, they're, you know, they're the forest friends. Vegetarians. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're totally vegans. Yeah. I'm (laughs) sure that they get all their protein from plant matter. Do you see this? The size of those things? Are you serious? Um, do you have macadamia, soy, <laughs> almond milk? Um... Do you have those pasta zero noodles that you can get at Walmart for, <laughs> yeah, shirataki? How are those bees treated that you <laughs> put that honey in my tea? Sorry. And we've just alienated another 20% of our listening audience. I'm so sorry for you organic <laughs> vegan hippies out there. I love you to death. They're probably a I lot mean, of my new age listeners. And I love I you. Mean, I love you. I mean, bless them. It's just like these things. Okay. On the low end. Low end. Six feet tall. Ugh, 400 yeah. pounds. You really think they're eating bark and plant matter? <laughs> and, and a couple of deer if they can catch them? Like, why wouldn't they... If they're opportunists, why wouldn't they? Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. It, it, it's had to have happened. And, okay, maybe the bulk of them don't because they know if you kill one person, you're going to get 50 of them looking for looking that person. For Good point. Bad idea. Missing but, 411. Come on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And David's smart for not coming out and saying, well, you know, it's Bigfoot or it's aliens or whatever he he thinks it is. He's very smart for doing that. I don't blame him for not coming out and saying what he thinks it is. Mm-hmm. But if you have, just like people, again, not trying to put human traits on a Bigfoot, there's got to be some screwed up Bigfoot out there that go against Bigfoot rules. <laughs> well, I want to see Sasquatch 101 book one of these days. Like, here's <laughs> what not to do, a-hole. Don't get caught, jerk. That go out and they they do these things, you know. They'll snatch a dog or snatch a person, and and take those risks because they are hungry. Uh, and you know, depending on the time of year or the scarcity of food, or whatever might be going on, we hear stories of people that think Bigfoot have the clans or family units, and and some of them get banished for whatever reason. And that yeah. guy's he goes rogue. The you know the word is rogue, but. That's very typical uh, for, like, actual animals is, like, yeah. you know, even if you're part of the family, like, they can banish you because they feel threatened by you. Even if it's, like, your kid. It's – that's just the – that's the animal way. Yeah, and why wouldn't they go, well, screw it. I mean, I'm just going to – I don't need your rules. I'm not part of the unit anyway. So right. here's a dog. Here, You know, a person in a little sleeping bag probably looks like a nice little burrito. <laughs> I mean, why not? Oh, I shouldn't so, laugh. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. It's how you said burrito. I mean, burrito. <laughs> I mean, the word burrito is just like because when you think about it, you're like, oh, a little, little, uh, a little chimichanga right there. <laughs> All right, I'm just gonna warm this thing up over the fire. Mm. Oh no, melty cheese. Oh wait, that's not cheese. Never mind. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, this is another story that 
you're like, no, I don't. When I'm a lot of times you've had it too. People will tell you these stories and they get emotional. And then even though I love uh, airing these stories and I, I want to take the account down and and get it out there and share to everybody. And it makes for fantastic content. When somebody gets really upset and you can hear it in their voice and they get emotional, I feel so bad. I, I just, I, the, the pang of guilt just runs through me. Yeah. And I've, I know you've had that too. Oh, totally. uh, I've heard them, but these are again, life changing events. Um, uh, Derek, uh, both Derek and Chris in these stories are, they're still going out, which is fantastic. And I'm in touch with both of them. Wow. And, um, it, it didn't completely uh, warn them off of the woods, which is great because they live in very wooded areas. They're like, they're not like my next door neighbor where they're like, yeah, unless the Yucca Man comes out from Joshua Tree National Forest, I'm good. <laughs> I ain't yeah. moving. No, I get yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, kudos to these guys. They are braver men than I am. Yeah, braver than me too because <laughs> when I'm talking to these guys and hearing the story, I'm like, hell no. Um, and I love hearing stories like this. We all do. But when you actually take the time to put yourself there, you're like, oh, shit, no, no, that's it's really messed up. That's why I stick to UFOs. Oh, yeah, because that's so much brighter. I mean, <laughs> I haven't heard of many um, aliens eating humans, but um, I mean, yeah. it's, I'm sure it's happened. It's it's had to have happened. Hey, Rilo, what's the when's the last time we had a, a good and I'm not poking fun at all. That was my joke. I'm done with the joke. Um, I'm just trying. I'm just a goofy. I like to make people laugh. But honestly, when's the last time we had the, you know, like the Whitley Streber, like the yeah. classic, you know, you go up to the ship and they do these, I mean, truly effing horrible things to you. And it it's either the one time, like, you know, Travis, or you get the recurring, like Whitley, where it's this, uh, um, all kinds of different activity going on over time. I mean, when's the last time we had anything like that come out? Oh man, it's it's been a while. I mean, I mean, even the abduction cases I covered in my book were from like ten, twenty years ago. It, it's weird. It's almost like it's no longer a thing. And if anyone out there is an experiencer. And these things are happening to you. I do apologize if that's offensive at all. But I personally haven't um, had any abduction cases come across my desk. But why forever. is that? I don't know. Why? It, it really makes me wonder, you know, like, abductions were big around when Whitley Strieber's story came out. Was this just, like, people now feeling compelled to come forward? Or was it, like... A weird cultural phenomenon of the time that, like, right. it was in the collective consciousness or the zeitgeist, and now, like, people are either fabricating stories, building upon stuff like Whitley Strieber or Travis Walton, or but, is it really happening? I, I, I don't know. It's, but yeah, yeah that's a, such a good question, and it's, it's not asked a lot. Is why does it seem that like abductions aren't happening anymore? Have they gotten what they needed from us, or or why? Right. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. That's so interesting because it could be just as simple as that. Because if they're that advanced, and of course that's another argument in and of itself. If they're that advanced, why do they have to keep coming down and taking that many samples? But if it was some kind of a quote unquote DNA test, 
over X amount of years and generations and bloodlines, yeah, maybe they are done with it. But do you think that the fact that it's so big now has actually hurt people mm-hmm. coming out and talking about it to the point where they're like, well, I mean, they're just going to say I've read Whitley's book or I'm just trying to be a guest on Somewhere in the Skies or Into the Fray. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. gotten too big, too big for its bridges. I think so. I think it's a little of a lot of different. I think there's so many variables. I think people may now think like no one's going to believe me. Like every story has been told um, or they don't want to talk about it because um, they just want to uh, ignore that it ever happened. Or again, I'm going to say it. Maybe we've just moved on in the in the narrative of UFOs and what they represent and Maybe people are now realizing, oh, this was a product of its time. You know, the contactee movement of the 60s and 70s was huge. You know, meeting the Space Brothers and being told, like, your planet's going to shit. Like, fix that shit. Or in then 80s and 90s, you had these creepy little gray dudes putting shit up your butt or what have you. Like, I mean, <laughs> I, again, I know we joke. No, but, you yeah, know, it's these you, you got to keep it a little bit light. You Absolutely. Do. You do. And, you know, conducting very intrusive and evasive experiments on people. And now, like, we've kind of just moved on. And I don't know what that says about our society or um, us as humans, but I feel like we're we're in a new we're in a new age of the UFO topic. And um, I'm going to be honest, I see it veering away from the creatures the reptilians the greys the the tall nordics i i feel like we're moving away from these very sensational stories and that's not to say they did not happen um and we're we're putting our focus more on oh like we got some legit like navy people coming forward and saying they saw stuff let's focus on that right now because it is such a complex and messy topic to begin with ufos um that we really we really have tunnel vision sometimes and i think right now in 2020 we are we are so entrenched in these navy sightings that uh that's kind of where everything is leading and everything all the conversations having to do with ufos are focusing on that um but again it doesn't stop the phenomenon from happening to people so maybe they're just not coming forward i can tell you right now i have not heard of a recent abduction case in a really long time. The only one I can really think of, and I just thought about this, is a young man named Deep Brassad, who is a quantum physicist, one of the most brilliant people I've ever talked to on my show. And within the last month or so, he has come forward and said that he has had a very close encounter experience with something he can explain. And, I mean, that's pretty astounding that someone of his stature and with his reputation would come forward with this so that says something maybe it's still going on i i don't know shan i honestly don't know i think i just started to follow him because i wanted to uh to learn more about him but i mean and just to say guys i mean and that is kind of sad to me that it is moving out of that because I feel like that's a huge part of it is just, hey, you're big on this too. I mean, that's your whole thing is the human side of it. What did the person experience? How did it change their lives? They don't sleep anymore. It totally effed them up. If you're out there 
and you are experiencing something like that, I'm sure that Ryan has put this call out so many times, but there are a lot of people out there that will not laugh at you. Yeah, absolutely. Like, we, we, live and breathe this stuff so yeah and we crack jokes but at the end of the day like oh we would never ever do that to someone who came forward to oh god no no and most of my guests you know whether it's prior to the show or after the show you know you always try to keep it light and actually my very last guest uh she was anonymous not going to reveal her name but she had a sighting of a strange creature twice within an hour on a desolate road on an early morning drive in Iowa and and she did she broke down and she she cried while she was telling the story and when that happens I know that because I've been there I know that it's a, a good thing for them but at the same time of course like I said before it's it's a real blow to me because I I feel like I'm making her dredge that up and I feel bad for doing that um, most of the time people tell me and I know that you've probably had this too Ryan is they go that was cathartic thank you for listening to me I haven't told that very many times sometimes they've not told it to almost anyone like I said in the beginning yeah. but anyway the point is if you guys are out there with these stories and that's why I asked Ryan because I really wanted to know I haven't I'm not the biggest UFO person uh, I do have a, a pretty good understanding of that stuff, and I do follow it, uh, and I need to do more on my show. Uh, and, of course, we should m- briefly mention the On, on the Trail UFOs by oh, we'll Small Town Monsters that, that we've, <laughs> we've both been working on. But, I mean, this stuff is very important to us and a lot of other people out there. So if you have an experience, call Ryan. I mean, get in touch with him and these are the most important stories really of humankind because if this is really going on what's more important than that honest to god what is more important than whatever's out there trying to contact us good or bad Mm -hmm. i mean unfortunately Mm -hmm. there's a lot of damn bad out there and horrible stories as you mentioned but what's more important than that absolutely i always tell people there's two questions in life where do we go when we die and are we alone in the universe and while i don't think any of us will truly know the answer to the first question until it happens to us um the second question i think we are inching ever so closer to figuring that out whether we'll ever know the true honest 100 percent truth about it um maybe not but I think within our lifetime, we are getting closer to something very profound and important. And it's exciting. It's exciting to think it's on the horizon. I might be speaking out of turn and I will die and I'll never know the truth about all this like many UFO researchers before me. But hey, that's the, that's the time you live in. That's the time you were given. And just do the most with that time you have. So right. yeah, I'm going to keep digging for answers. And um I guess moving on a little, Shen, here um, to your other project, which you brought up, um, On the Trail of UFOs. So yes. you, after years and years of working with you remotely, I was finally able to meet you in person in my neck of the woods, New York City. And um, this was amazing. I can't believe it took us this long to make it happen, but it did. And um, I need to hear about this. You're working with Small Town Monsters. A lot of people out there know about Seth Breedlove and his work. He's been on the show a couple times. But how did this all come about, and what is this new project you're working on with them? 
Yeah, so this iteration came after, of course, On the Trail Bigfoot, which is, uh, of course, out now uh, on Amazon Prime. Or you can go to smalltownmonsters.com and and see all of his amazing works, of course. Uh, Mothman, you know, you've got Terror in the Skies with the the flying, you know, pterodactyls, Mm -hmm. uh, humanoids, whatever the hell they are. Uh, he's got Bell Witch coming out pretty soon, which is amazing. I mean, they are nonstop. Uh, Adrian and Seth Breedlove, Small Town Monsters. So we wanted to continue the On the Trail of series, and I was lucky enough to be asked to host that to where I get to be a, a big part of of tracking whatever we can down and interviewing the biggest names, you included, thankfully, while we were in New York, on the subject of UFOs and really taking it back to something that we talked about with, you know, when it comes to any sighting of anything is taking it back to the people and taking it back to how it affected them and not always about, I mean, of course, the size of a creature or the way that a craft acted or the maneuvers it did is so incredible, but we wanted to talk to the people. And that is something that you will hear, especially in maybe uh, an interview with Greg Bishop that may or may not be on there. No, it will be. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we, we were in New York and finally got to uh, run into you. And then we went down to, um, I mean, the center of it all in New York. So Times Square, baby. I mean, <laughs> what in the world? And that, of course, it ended up in a wonderful trailer that Seth cut for us. So uh, that was amazing. But yeah, I mean, what do you think about, you know, shows like that? I mean, do you... Do you feel like something like that is is going to reach people? It's going to make a difference at all? Well, what I really appreciate, uh, I was able to see some uh, early cuts of the first couple episodes of the show and um, and the trailer as well. And you said something very important in the trailer, and that's that the UFO topic has become very politicalized. Um, in the last few years, I would say, it's all about the military and UFOs and the government and getting congressional hearings. And this stuff is awesome. Don't get me wrong. But I think what you guys are doing that's much different is bringing it back down to earth, talking to the people having the experiences and talking to the researchers who've put in decades of work to try to unravel these mysteries. So I think it's not only essential what you guys are doing. I think it is a side of the UFO topic that doesn't get discussed often, and that's the experiencers and the people researching it. So I was so honored to um, have been invited to be a part of it and to um, see a lot of other familiar faces and new faces. There were some people I'd never heard of that you guys interviewed. And again, it's just opening up that community, opening up the possibilities of other people working together and trying to find answers together instead of just, you know, being uh, on our own trying to figure all this stuff out let's let's talk let's have a conversation and let's let's ask some questions so yeah i think it's i think it's an amazing project and i'm not just saying that because i'm in it or that you guys are doing it um i've been waiting for seth breedlove to tackle the ufo topic with his cinematic eye and i'm so blown away by what i've seen already so i can't wait for people to see it yeah i'm not gonna lie it's some pretty sexy stuff there's some wonderful shots (laughs) and editing i mean um 
Yeah. Well, and, and not he, only the UFO topic, like, it shows America in, like, such a beautiful light and how diverse our country is in terms of people and just our environments. I mean, within weeks, you guys were in New York City and then you were, like, across the country in the, the hills of California or, you know, the Berkshires in Massachusetts or New Hampshire. Yes. Like, it's so amazing to see these locations and then to hear these incredible UFO stories that have happened there. It's awesome. We killed a beautiful Ford Expedition Max uh, on the way to New Hampshire. Uh, and then we had to transfer to a Chevy Suburban, which we were all very upset about. Oh, no. Sorry Rest to all you peace. Chevy Suburban owners, but if you could get into a Ford Expedition Max, which if you guys want to, you know, sponsor any of us, that would be fantastic, by the <laughs> way. Uh, no, when we killed that car and we had to transfer it, we were all literally crying as we were uh, taking our stuff out of there. Not sure what happened there, but uh that was a lovely vehicle. So, you know, the, the Fixer Repair Daily, I guess, kind of um, lived up to its name. Just yeah. kidding. Kind of, <laughs> sort of, because it died on maybe. us. But, yeah, yeah but that, that trip uh, where we saw you was where we, I mean, we tackled a lot of miles. And we talked to a lot of people, which was absolutely fantastic. I mean, I got to meet you and Micah Hanks in the same trip so it was wonderful that's crazy and i i i do have to mention i brought you guys to a a pizza joint in manhattan and we had (laughs) the sassiest italian person in the whole city i'm so happy that you guys got to experience the true it was authentic as hell like if you didn't know your shit and you you better know what you want to order right the second that she comes over. In fact, you better know it 20 minutes before she comes over yeah. because if you're not ready, she will whip out a machete and take <laughs> off your head. Oh, my God. Yeah. And God forbid it you, like, amazing. ask a question out of turn there. She's oh. like, no, you want you want this. You want this. Oh, you want a fork? You stick your face in that pizza and eat it now. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I think she she had it for Seth. I think she... um. She had stars in her eyes when she she laid eyes on He's, him. I think he saved us actually, because yeah. I, I like once he started to talk to her. I don't know what it was. She kind of toned down a little bit because you and I were having our conversation at the other end of the table. Yeah. And what was she doing to that table behind us? Like, I thought she might actually kick them out of the restaurant oh because they God. were hissing her off. She was I'm going and shaming. Oh my goodness. I was like, is she about to drop like some F bombs and stuff right now? I love her. She was amazing. She was authentic. Yeah. She, she if Handle anything, she uh she gave you the true New York experience. So I'm glad you, you guys got to see that. But um I was happy. <laughs> I do wanna know, like, on your travels with the show, um, without like giving away any like specifics, what really stuck out to you? What really sort of left an impression? Um stepping into the UFO world, as it were. Honestly, and this may sound really like a cop-out answer, but – and it's no different than your show, my show, a TV show, a podcast, a whatever, a book. Everybody's the same. Everybody. If you see something that changes your life – and it, the, the details may be different, but for the most part, we as people process things a certain way and – you know, in a roundabout way, not in every case, but the culmination is the same. And it's so nice to be able to sit with so many different people from 
directors to researchers to just straight experiencers. And I don't mean just because that's that's our bread and butter. Without you guys, the experiencers, we would have nothing. You know, if you guys didn't come forward and tell these stories, we wouldn't have the data that we have, which is so important in talking to all these people. That's that's it. That's the whole thing. We don't have an alien, you know, in a in a acrylic cage waving at us like in Independence Day. <laughs> you know, we don't have that. We don't have uh, a proof of telepathic communication or um, a, a visit from an actual craft of, a, a, I mean, like a perfect video of such a thing. But we do have is people's interpretations of it, what it has done to them what it has done to sometimes even their children, heaven forbid. Because mm-hmm. I'd be like, I will cut a gray if you mess with my kid. You know, that kind of a thing. <laughs> it, it, it's the, the every day of these people's lives is what is so important. And I think for me, and again, that's something that's come up in the interviews that we did for On the Trail UFOs is that, man, you got to take it back to the people and what it's done to them. And... And th- that's it. It's cool to talk about the craft, how fast did it go? Oh, great. It went to, at a 90-degree angle into the ocean. Oh, we have underground bases. There's a whole other tangent. But that's that's already there. Yeah. What's important is what it does to the people. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think more and more, more people are realizing, like, the more we talk about it and uh, share our stories, the closer we're going to get to answers instead of, you know, relying on science to do it for us. Of course, that's a huge, huge part of all this. Don't get me wrong. Anyone out there um, in the scientific field or community, like, essential to what we're doing. But we got to all just work together. Like, okay, let's take that Navy video, the Tic Tac video, for instance. That whatever, eight-second video, it's cool and, like, oh, it's compelling. But we have no context for it until the pilot came forward and then the radar operator and then the guy on the other ship and when we started hearing their stories it's now painting the picture of what we're seeing in the video and then and the impact of it oh my god yeah it's all about the people and i've always said that so i'm so happy that that's kind of what you guys were focusing on and i think where the ufo topic is going it's heading in a direction that's more about us than the ufos or aliens or whatever intelligence is behind these ufos um it's more about us and i think that's kind of what this topic has always been it's us looking at that mirror looking back at us and says more about us than it ever could them so i'm so stoked to see the rest of the show and and what it has to uh has to say to us but um have your opinions or thoughts changed at all, Shan, after this journey on the UFO topic? No, I don't think so. Okay. I, I think it's it's opened my eyes more to the fact that there are, and I already knew this, but there are so many different types of people that you think would be kind of quiet and demure and be this kind of thing. But you say the word UFO and... Oh my goodness, their eyes light up and they become a completely different person. Mm-hmm. And, it's like a switch is flipped. Oh my gosh. And it but it's a a beautiful thing to see. And being with Seth and the guys 
I've gotten to see that a number of times and people, you know, it's not the easiest thing to, to be on camera or to even be on a podcast. Take that no. away. Put a camera in your face and then, you know, you put a, a lapel mic on you and go, all right, let's hear your story. It is difficult. It is so terrifying. Mm -hmm. And at first, it's very hard for people. But you could see them kind of melt into their story. And I think it's once they got to finally really get into the minutia of the details and everything of their story that they they release the tension and they're finally in that moment again because I know probably just like you, every time I tell my shadow person story, I can see it and I'm right there. And because yeah. it happened, because it happened. I mean, you know, people can him and haw they want about, um, you know, making shit up, but it happened. So that was really so cool to see, I think is, is people going from the stressful situation of, and not that we have a big crew, it's a very small crew, but you know, there are sometimes some light setups and maybe even I'm holding a light. There's been some behind the scenes of, you know, various people in various places and just making, making shit work for a shot. And it's, it's not a comfortable situation, but once they get going, that's that. Yeah, I think that was one of the coolest things to see is people you're going. Yeah, that definitely happened to them. Yeah. Yeah. And then you make friends like it's so cool. Oh, it's awesome. Like, these I mean, bring like together. lifelong stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny, yeah. With these topics, like there's an intimacy involved with like you know, confiding in someone with these stories. So I, I do often feel that some of my closest friends that I've ever made were within the UFO community or the paranormal community at large, because you are sharing things that are so out of the ordinary and so like beyond the fray that it ha -ha. just, it's not like you could just tell anyone these things, you know? So I got to ask you, Shin, when and where will we be able to see On the Trail of UFOs? Yeah, so On the Trail of UFOs will come out uh, probably sometime, um, possibly uh, April, May of, of this year, 2020. But uh, keep your eye out on social media for the exact release date. I know that we are doing a Kickstarter event, a live event, Facebook, I believe, on February 6th. So uh, keep your eye out for that. And that way, you guys can pledge on various levels, just like you do on uh, Ryan's Patreon for you know, added bonuses, uh, T-shirts, stickers, original artworks by some of the, the people that... Uh, Seth got commissioned for the project. Yeah, Seth, his like packages for supporters are so awesome. <laughs> so definitely, I definitely suggest yeah. people go go fund this guy's work. He has built this company from the ground up, and he you go on Amazon Prime, and you know three out of three out of the ten like top sellers are always one of his movies on Amazon Prime. So check them all out. Be sure to check out On the Trail of UFOs. But uh, bringing it back to Beyond the Freshen, there's some other really exciting news about this. Um, can you maybe tell us a little about what you've done with Beyond the Fray and what might be coming next with it? Absolutely. So uh, besides getting Beyond the Fray Bigfoot out, we have also created Beyond the Fray Publishing. 
Uh, so what Jeff and I have done is create a publishing house, but this house will live pretty much under the umbrella that Into the Fray lives. So that is uh, paranormal, UFOs, true crime, uh, cryptid stuff. But the caveat, though, unlike uh, our books for Beyond the Fray specifically, yours that you send in to Beyond the Fray Publishing can be fiction or nonfiction. So uh, you can, if you if you would like, if you have something done that you want to send us, it's info at beyondthefraypublishing.com. Jeff is just, he's amazing at, at, at doing this stuff. He knows everything there is to know. And um, and I'm here to help it along. I mean, we have a built-in um, promotion for uh, your book, on, of course, on the show. And we have all the means to get your book published and get it done. And uh, so, also, besides Beyond the Fray Publishing, which you can visit us at beyondthefraypublishing.com for more information on getting your book published, you can also now, and this is a... uh, a world premiere on Somewhere in the Skies. But our next book, Beyond the Fray, Paramalgamation, is actually available right now for pre-order on Amazon. And we have a release date of April 28th of this year for that to come out. So uh, Paramalgamation is actually a word that I came up with myself. I love it. I was going to say, um, <laughs> why do I not know what this is? <laughs> Am I that dumb? You're like, did you just have a stroke? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so Paramalgamation is, I came up with it for one of my episodes because I when I pride myself on coming up with halfway decent uh episode titles you know it's difficult to come up with that if it's not apparent and that and the images we've talked about that but this episode i'm like i have no clue what to title this damn thing because it was all over the place crazy stories scary stories and i came up with the word paramalgamation paramalgamation it's it's you know if you really think about it, it's not too difficult but paranormal and amalgamation and amalgamation just means a whole smattering of different things all smashed together so this book is it's some of my very favorite amazing creepy scary life-changing stories from into the fray and again not fictionalized in any way we take what the witness says and we just we put it in a very lovely little package to make it uh, highly readable and so that's what beyond the fray paramalgamation is it's some of my favorites all smashed into this lovely book and uh we are working on that right now and so you guys can go on amazon right now get it pre-ordered it'll be out uh end of april and i mean the good thing about the books are is it doesn't always have to be within the parameters of End of the Fray. So if anyone's out there like, well, I don't want to come on you know, your show, but I'd love to be in your book. And I'm sure you would feel like this too, Ryan, yeah. you, know, you know, for future editions. Uh, but if anybody wants to, uh, you know, reach out and go, hey, I don't want to be on the air, but I'd love to be part of your book. Great. That's cool. I mean, part of Beyond the Fray Bigfoot was built upon that. So... There we go. That is uh, one of the biggest um, releases uh, in the last little bit here is the second book is already ready to come out. 
Wow. Waste no time at Beyond the Fray Publishing. I love that. Try, try not to. Got to keep know? that ball in the air. Yeah, man. When the, when it's hot, you got to strike. Hey, you tell me when you get the UFOs, and I have got a mountain of stories for you. That's awesome. Yeah, because you know that I, and like I said before, it's not a place that I live heavily as UFOs, but obviously I would love to do uh, a UFO version. So well, there you go, uh, guys. If anyone who was on any witness accounts episode of Somewhere in the Skies, please reach out to Shannon. If you're willing to share it on my show in front of, you know, listening ears, I'm sure you're willing to do it in print too. So please reach out. Thanks, Rilo. That's my public service announcement. Shannon, this has been amazing. As per usual, we went off on many tangents, which I love. That's what we do best. Um, some of that is going to end up in the Patreon episode. So for those of you who aren't members, please check it out at patreon.com slash somewhere skies. You're going to hear some exclusive stuff between Shannon and I that I just don't think uh, I'm willing to share on the main feed. And that's that's how you do yeah. it, guys. That's what you do. Nor should you. Nor yeah. should you. But um, no. this was amazing, Shannon. I can't wait to dig through the rest of the book. Um, two of the stories literally really shook me to the core, so I can't even imagine where the book is going next. Um, but No, wait. You don't want me to come out there with you and Jane and take you guys up uh, about 50 miles upstate New York City and see what happens? No. It's hard enough to get us out of Queens. <laughs> so um, good <laughs> luck with that. <laughs> Go camping and turn into little human burritos right right i was in portland two weeks ago and um I, trust me i was looking everywhere for bigfoot whoa you were in portland i was That's in awesome. portland yeah um visiting some friends and doing a little um little cryptid hunting myself but that's a story for another time but yeah someday someday i will see a bigfoot that is my dream and my hope now i've done ufos i've seen a ghost or i should say felt a ghost a story for another time as well um but <laughs> i think i gotta mark off cryptid next so we'll see what happens with that just just bring your adult diapers <laughs> and apparently your crying baby recordings I, I don't that know. that will age you for sure yeah, yeah. i know firsthand <laughs> i know you do shan thank you so much again for coming on Thank you, Ryan. Somewhere in the Skies is produced by Third Kind Productions in association with the Entertainment One Podcast Network. To learn more, visit entertainmentonepodcast.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.